Roxana Rafetja, the founder of Conscious Enterprises, and welcome to Conversations with Conscious Enterprises. This conversation is one that meant a lot to me um, because it's with a woman that I looked up to a lot at my first job out of college. Um, if you're a foodie or any sort of glutton for those cooking challenges on TV, you may recognize her as one of the judges on the next Food Network star, Susie Fogelson. Um, that was while she was the SVP at the Food Network and the Cooking Channel. Um, not only is Susie a magnetic and empathetic leader from the corporate world, but she's also showing major food brands how they can take a socially conscious approach. Today, as the founder of Fogelson and Company, Susie is now serving the food industry by helping brands find their food story and tell it. Um, in doing this, she's also elevating awareness of innovative food trends, a lot of which we discuss in this conversation. Um, Susie will share in this conversation her journey of following a passion for food, her experience in striking major revenue-generating deals with advertisers. Um, we also just dive deep into many of the current food trends that are super interesting. Um, the importance, the importance of being socially conscious as a culinary brand. We talk about food tech versus agriculture tech, and just her own approach to sustainable eating. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Um, please subscribe, please follow on social media. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Instagram, and we're on Facebook. And of course, you can find us at www.conscious.enterprises. On the video isn't it's as cool. good. Yeah, it was like 20 bucks on Amazon. It's like amazing. I have a lot of stuff on <laughs> You gotta use Amazon Smile. Do you have smile.amazon.com? Yeah, so it benefits. I yes. use Star Strength. But. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Once I figured out about it, I was like, why is Amazon like hiding this from us? They do not advertise it at they all. They don't, and it's so cool. Yeah. So, what do you benefit? Um, I think ours goes to wildlife. Shendrick's Wildlife Foundation, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we're helping supporting the wildlife with all our Amazon purchases which is cool yeah. so great yeah I know and we all purchase enough yeah <laughs> so Hi, thank you so much for being here I cannot believe that Susie Fogelson is in my apartment <laughs> right now okay <laughs> I have to tell you I have to start by telling you actually I like kind of idolized you I think when I first started at the Food <laughs> Network I was what like 23 it was my first job out of college with Michael Smith mm -hmm. and he was an amazing first boss to have first of all my boss, but I remember distinctly one day he asked me he's like what do you want to be when you grow up you know like what do you want to do and I remember telling him I don't even think I really understood what your job was or like what you even did back then but I remember telling him I was like I think I want to be Susie Fogelson <laughs> and he was kind of like all right he's oh. like well you know you got to climb the ladder and this and that and I was like okay well I hope you like yeah. thrown out of that <laughs> I obviously did not become Susie Fogelson but it's pretty cool to have you here so. that's I'm thrilled to be here thank you and I'm, I'm pleased you. that you're starting your own thing and doing yes. it I think in a really progressive space awesome. so thank you so much yep. So, you are now um, the founder and CEO of Fogelson and Company. Yes. You were the former senior vice president of Food Network and the Cooking Channel. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people might actually recognize you from being a judge on Next Food Network Star. So, it's quite a resume. You're clearly um, what we can call a food trends expert. Um, let's start from the very beginning, though. Um, I want to hear about where you grew up. Uh, how did you grow up and what got you into food? Sure. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles and I was raised by my dad mm -hmm. and um, 
whenever I think about why food, why I'm so passionate about food and why food means so much to me, I can kind of trace it right back to my roots growing up with my dad. So my dad's kind of a born and bred New Yorker and he moved to the West Coast, so we were in Los Angeles. But we would have very specific food occasions. So every Sunday, bagels that I enjoy. This little dump where you waited online, it was super hot, <laughs> they made the bagels on site, and we'd grab our hot steamy bag of bagels. Then we'd go to the supermarket and we'd get our tomatoes and we'd get our onions. And then we'd go to the deli and we'd get our white fish. I mean, this was his ritual. Aww. We did this every Sunday. Um, and he had a lot of those. And I think just growing up, I realized that food was an experience. And that's what makes it so personal. And it is just a huge turn on as a marketer to be able to connect. Um, I've marketed a lot of stuff in my life. And I think food is probably the most um, exciting because of the connection that people have to it, because of the connection that I have to it. Awesome, I love that. Um, so what was your first job and how did you end up at the Food Network? My first job, I'm from LA originally. Mm -hmm. I went to UCLA. Yeah. And my first job was at this, uh, as an assistant media planner. Okay. At an agency called Shiat Day. Okay. And Jay Shiat was, you know, sort of the, I think the godfather of account planning and account okay. strategy, which at the time was relatively new. So really a strategic, uh, approach to advertising and media. Uh, he was also one of the largest modern art collectors in the world. Oh, he's, wow. he's passed away. Um, so this office was the, one of the most incredible offices that I'd ever been to. So I, right. I walked in as an assistant media planner in a building that Frank Geary had designed. Oh, wow. Um, they paid me $15,186, and um, I loved every second of it. That's awesome. And I worked on a big account, an automotive account, and I guess the good news is that there was such an incredibly large budget, as mm -hmm. automotive typically has, um, that I was able to get really well versed in all media. Okay. So that was a great foundation for me as a, as a media expert, mm -hmm. and Food Network obviously is media and right. it's food. Uh, so understanding just how all media works, how to target, how to think about uh, strategic media planning and thinking about how the creative makes its way into the media into media this was all just great training uh, for ending up as a head of marketing yeah. for food so network. that's where you th that gave you kind of the first overall glimpse I guess of how everything works yeah and I okay. love targeting I mean I think that at the end of the day I love the idea that you could see something or find a message from a brand yeah that they would find you and yeah. they would know where to find you and that was sort of the beginning of my fascination with targeting cool and then when did you was that that was in LA and then when did you move to New York moved to New York um, three years okay. after I started at Shiat uh -huh. and it became TBWA Shiat day okay. so consolidation was happening even then yeah <laughs> and I worked on Nickelodeon so I got oh, promoted and started cool. working on Nickelodeon and really fell in love with entertainment yeah. Funny that I came from LA and kind of ran from entertainment and <laughs> ended up working in entertainment in New York. That's um, true. So I went to Nickelodeon, I ultimately left Shiat and went to Nickelodeon and oh, worked okay. as a marketing manager nice. and had a really great run there. Yeah, I launched SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, that's an exciting I'm one. I'm probably dating myself, <laughs> uh, July 7th. Awesome. And uh, worked on the Kids' Choice Awards. Oh, that's huge too. So just learned the how, how an entertainment company, TV brand, yeah. Is so much more than a television brand, obviously. How all of that works together, right? And that was really great training to think about 360 in a way that encompassed on-air um, consumer products, digital research, press, talent mm -hmm. relations. 
So they were doing, you know, um, they were doing everything at such a high level that I got a really great uh, uh, introduction to to marketing um, at a high level with yeah. incredible assets. Yeah. Nick being sort of the number one kids player at the time. Cool. And then you ended up at the Food Network. Um, what was it about the Food Network that appealed to you? Well, it's funny because the recru a recruiter called looking oh, for a director okay. of marketing uh, at Food TV. Uh huh. And the woman who got the call came to me and said, oh, I got this call from this yeah. food TV, and that's all you're ever talking about, so you should talk to them. <laughs> food? food that's Network. so funny. The Food Network's looking for director of marketing, yeah. and I was so happy at Nickelodeon. I had so much going for me at Nickelodeon, mm -hmm. uh, but but I talked about Food Network all the time. That's I don't even so necessarily funny. remember that. And then once I went to Food Network, um, people would say to me, of course you're at Food Network. People that have worked with me. I said, why do you say that? They said, because you're always talking about where you're going for lunch, where we went for lunch, what you had for dinner last night, what you're having for dinner tonight, and you're always asking us what we ate and how it was. And I said, I, I, like, I just didn't realize that I was that nosy. That's amazing. So I went to Food Network and I was there for 16. Yeah, 16 years, it's a long time. Yeah. What were like your favorite things about working there? What were some of the challenges? The, the, I mean, it's a, as I said, it's a marketer's dream yeah. um, to be able to, to sort of uh, intersect food and entertainment um, and, in such a um, uh, inspired way. Yeah. You know, I feel like Food Network really created a genre of right. um, content, right. which is food entertainment. Right. And I think there was great food programming out there. The Julia Childs of the world, even Martha Stewart, doing yeah. food at a really high level. Food Network brought food entertainment together in a way that hadn't been done. Right. And I feel like the the um, opportunity to market that brand every day. I mean, I just I'd walk in half inch off the ground every day, yeah. you know, for 15 years, and it's because of that brand. Um, and then right there with that were the people. Yeah. I mean, we had an incredible executive team. It was right. a small, tight little group. Yeah. Um, we all reported into the president. And then um, I had an unbelievable team that I was able to oversee and work with. Yeah. And I think the good news is that when you do well, you get more responsibility. Right. So for me, it was started in marketing, then ended up uh, getting promoted and taking over creative, uh, taking over press and talent rela relations, taking over PR. So the, the brand and the people, for sure. Yeah. And what were some of the challenges that you found there? Well, growing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that it's... When there's just a few people and the stakes are, you know, high, medium, right. um, you can make some decisions and you can fail and it's not so public mm -hmm. and it's not so costly. And the, the challenge with growing and becoming a top 10 rated brand right. is that A, no one thought you could do it. No one thought <laughs> food, food TV could ever be that. Yeah. Um, but also the, um, you know, it just becomes bureaucratic and right. it becomes getting things done is harder right. and there's a lot of steps and mm -hmm. a lot of processes and they're not always good right. um, you know for for groups right so I think the challenges were understanding uh, what we needed to do from a you know financial perspective where right. we needed to be from a financial perspective and making sure that the team was aware of that enough that mm -hmm. they could operate and not not work in a vacuum right that what they were doing they understood mm -hmm. had a greater there was a greater goal associated. Right. So, so X show that we're launching needs to be successful and hit this number. What does that mean for the quarter of our right. ratings? What does that mean for the financials of ad sales? Like, 
you need to understand the importance of this show, not just because it's important, because it's this important. Right. And in essence, you need to be thinking about the level of emphasis that we need to be putting on this. So even in your day-to-day, if you're prioritizing work and you're not prioritizing this A-level priority and you're making it, you know, two priorities are, are at the same level, that's not strategic. So right. understanding the big picture, I think, was was it was always a challenge to make sure the team had enough information, but not too much information in order to be successful. That is so important, I think, because when you're in those kind of jobs, when you're you know supporting, or maybe you're just like when I was at Food Network, I was a, you know assistant coordinator, kind of like a support staff. It's hard to see the big picture, actually. So I think that goes a long way for sure. I don't think everybody gives you the big picture. Yeah, not everyone does. It should be empowering to yeah. know that what you're doing adds up to something bigger. And then you should be able to make your own decisions about how you manage your time based on those priorities. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what level. There's a, just a level of common sense that everyone needs to. And if you don't have that information, I don't think you feel part of something. And totally. I think feeling empowered to make decisions, not being micromanaged, and feeling valued, I right. think is just the key to being a good leader and, and liking your job. Right. Absolutely. Um, what was your experience like as a judge on the next Food Network store, uh, next Food Network star? Um, did you enjoy being on TV? Was it a little awkward at first? What was that like? Um, it was just kick-ass. I mean, <laughs> how fun that I would awesome. get to have this side hustle, you know, right. that was a uh, judge on a reality show. Right. Um, I feel like um, I had been pregnant. I was nursing. I mean, I was very emotional <laughs> some episodes. I was actually pregnant and I didn't know it in one episode. Oh my God. And I was very emotional and then I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. Um, I would get emotional when I was watching, you know, them like spill their hearts out, these right. sweet finalists and, you know, my, my, be, my boobs would be leaking. Like it was, it was very like a personal journey. Right. Um, but it was an incredible opportunity. Right. And I remember when the day when they walked in, yeah. uh, CBS production started the show, did the first sort of pilot for us. And they said, here's a video. Yeah. We're going to put it in a TV monitor. We just sit in the conference room and react to it. Okay. And I was like, okay, tell us what you think of what they're doing. And so I just told them what I thought. Right. I did it for a few people in the office. And I guess, you know, I, I did okay. And they gave awesome. me the gig. So I think in the beginning, it was like I didn't get it. We yeah. did it kind of a little, it was pretty low budget. And then the show obviously grew and became, you know, sort of one of the number one shows at Food Network. Right. Um, it was just exciting, I think, to be marketing it to be thinking through about partnerships and ad sales alliances, to be thinking about PR and some of the talent, you know, to promoting the talent, meaning yeah. the new faces that we're finding as well as the established talent that were in it. Yeah. And then it was really cool to be on the other side of it, finding our next talent. Right. Um, because what I did a lot at Food Network, certainly towards the last, I'd say, seven years, was focused on talent brands and mm -hmm. how we could leverage the talent brands in order to create gain. Right. And that could be an ad sales deal with you know, McCormick Spices, or it could be a deal with Dish Networks mm -hmm. and a particular talent, or it could be something for ad sales at, you know, MediaVest for the day. Right. So just when there's so many talent needs for that brand, it was, so, it was so incredible to have them as assets. And we wanted one plus one to equal three. Right. So we did a lot, I did a lot of work with a great team of people and thinking through how do we leverage the talent um, as their own brands. Right combined with Food Network to create something bigger yeah. uh, for a great game and offer us an advantage. You know, in the marketplace, right. it was a tremendous advantage. I think that when I got there, it was the talent do shows. That's what they do. And after, it turned into endorsement deals, 
the partnerships, partnerships on publishing, going into consumer products with them. We did a deal with Coles and Bobby Flay. We did right. a deal with, um, with I, you know, I think it was 57, 57 different talent deals yeah. with our advertisers, um, making millions of dollars for them as well as for us. Right. So Rachel Ray had a huge one too. Was, was that Ziploc also? Ziploc, that's what it was. I yeah. mean, she's you know obviously yeah, well now got she's her own. Long. Yeah. And the dog done. food is an incredible success yeah, yeah, for yeah. her. What an interesting idea. <laughs> um, so, so I feel like the the uh, um, it was ours to lose. You know, right. I feel like like next food, food Network Star was such an incredible platform to show the behind the scenes of what's happening right. and how we actually go about it. I mean, it was so authentic in that way. Yeah. But from there. It really made me think about, gee, talent represents an interesting opportunity here. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I would have gotten there if really? I hadn't had that role in the show. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, especially because, I mean, Food Network, I think, was responsible for this whole trend of the, you know, these cooks and these chefs are basically rock stars now, right? Yeah. And I, you weren't really seeing that happen before that. I mean, I think there was a few, like I said, you know, Martha Stewart was obviously rock right, star maybe, and, yeah. and didn't wasn't on Food Network, right? Um, or was we we acquired some of her shows, right? And she didn't do like original stuff for us. But anyway, um, I think that the the timing of yeah. our chefs growing in popularity so that they were as famous and as interesting as any top level actor or actress, um, but also um, the 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 need. For content, right? right? Advertisers are just desperate to try to do something above and beyond, you know, the typical 30-second spot right. that promotes the features and benefits of their product, right? right? They're just desperate to create really interesting content that mm -hmm. they can put out across social platforms. And talent, great content, is often fronted by great talent. Right. So that kind of bubbling up in yeah. conjunction with the with the gee, their their brands and their they all have a lane and they're, you know, we've got health and wellness and we've got barbecue over here and we've got, you know, Asian fusion or Indian and, yeah. and we've got home cooking and we've got kitchen tech. I mean, we just had so many different types of talent right. that matching up the talent's DNA with a brand DNA and creating a great kind of media marketing and content story um, was just right on time. Super fun. I love it. Um, and now you've embarked on your own entrepreneurial business. You've moved on from Food Network. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Tell me about Fogelson and Company. What do you do? Like, what, what kind of clients do you have? What's it about? What's it about? Well, you know, not on the heels of uh, you know the work that I did with a lot of brands at Food Network. Um, when I left, I really felt like um, there was a need in the marketplace that that was related to just how explosive uh, the food world had become. Right. So um, it, it seemed that it seemed to me that food marketing was actually a thing, just like sports marketing maybe, or even music marketing right. maybe, which you could say is all entertainment marketing. But there was a specific facet that is food marketing, and that brands needed help thinking through this food culture, so mm -hmm. the food ecosystem, mm -hmm. and that could be products on shelves, experiences, um, uh, recipe content instructional content, YouTube video, I mean, it could just, it's just everything. There's right. just so much food content out there. So how does your brand represent in, in that culture? And um, understanding the food connected consumer, right? Because gone are the days where, you know, we call people foodies anymore, okay. right? Foodies is an ex exclusive, small, upscale little group right. of people that are connected to food. Food is anything but that. 
okay. right? It's inclusive, it's global, it's big, it's young. It's a specific mindset, but it's broad. Okay. So the food-connected consumer um, and food culture mm-hmm. are, are these sort of specific things in marketing. Right. And the idea that you would need a strategy and, a, and, and some help storytelling seem to seem to make sense to me. Okay. So I started Focus & Co. to do that. So what awesome. I say is I help brands fi- find their food story and tell it. Okay. And this is really food strategy and storytelling. And um, we've had a lot of traction with big food. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a, I think, just I just um, read this, I think there were 1,100 mergers and acquisitions in the food space in 2017. Oh, wow. At, at, at totaling like $77 billion. Oh, my right? God. So this yeah. is... Big food purchasing small food startups. Or so we're talking like the Crafts and the Nabiscos, those kind of companies. Or okay. from Nestle yeah. to Unilever to Kraft, purchasing okay. small artisanal specialty foods. Okay, wow. Because big food, no disrespect to Oreos and Doritos. Right. And they 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 do a huge business. Mm-hmm. But 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 food is foods. Food needs are changing. Right. People's curiosity and their desire to take care of themselves are changing, and yeah. that food. Maybe in the picture, but there are other options that need to happen. Okay. And I feel like big food, sometimes they can go le- legitimately go there, and sometimes they need to borrow equity. Okay. So they're, bo- they're buying and gobbling up and acquiring and incubating a lot of small food brands. Huh. So helping big food figure that out, working yeah. with um, private equity. I mean, mm. there are a lot of food and beverage-focused private equity and venture capitalist firms, right? They're looking for Right. So the idea that we would work and help them make the right bets made a lot of sense. Very so that cool. has, you know, that's a that's a food strategy. Um, is it mostly acquisitions, or is it also like helping them create products that are catered towards this new f- food connected consumer? Well, it's working with the startups. Uh-huh. So we're working with some startups okay. that are thinking about plant forward cuisine, that are oh. thinking about kind of grab and go convenience. How cool. Um, and so the idea that there are startups, there are. Venture capitalists looking to invest in those startups, as yeah. well as big food looking to invest in those startups. So okay. that's a really interesting ecosystem. That is there. really interesting. And then restaurant groups. I mean, you know, you've got this sort of blurring yeah. of uh, fat, fast food, casual dining, fine dining are all blurring. Right. right. Fine dining is now doing takeout. Right. And uh, fast food is now doing fine food. Right. Okay. So fine casual. Yeah. And 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 everybody wants to grab and go, right. but they want it to be delicious and <laughs> high quality and yeah. affordable. Right. So how does fast food is transformed? I think you know Shake Shack is a great example of really you know good food. Um, really quick and easy. Mm-hmm. And the demanding consumer wants that convenience. Casual dining is in a bit of a challenge because it's not grab and go, but it's not an hour of fine dining. Right. So what do you go to Applebee's for? Why right. are you going to spend 45 minutes to an hour there when you can either grab and go or sit and have a great meal? Why? Right. So we worked with Applebee's on a big project oh, that cool. included um, how to bring... Um, their, their signature menu items to life, how to create a richer experience oh, wow. inside the restaurant. That's a fun, fun project. Yeah. What, did you, what kind of menu changes did you make? Uh, we worked with their signature menu items. Okay. So the idea that they have these hot performing items and mm-hmm. foods that people love and everything from their Fiesta chicken salad to their appetizer sampler platter, but making that, that, that even richer of an experience. Okay. So we played with an idea called Family Style 2.0. Okay. 
So the we all know that hot pots are really trendy, right? right? Everybody wants to sit around a table and make their own version and share with each other yeah. and say, hey, try mine and do it together. Like that, that, that experience yeah. is important to people. It's so much more than just, um, you know, going out to eat. It's, totally. it's a shared experience. So trying to borrow equity from that idea, mm-hmm. like I always think of it as kind of the quintessential food that I think started this was like fajitas. Uh-huh. You know, it comes deconstructed right. and you can make your version and you don't like peppers, but mm-hmm. I do. And I want you to take, I did mine with beef and I want you to taste mine and you're mm-hmm. going to do yours with chicken or pork. So this simple idea that we're actually creating family style 2.0 right. and making these these experiences feel like barbecues, you know, cool. like, like celebrations. Right. And then um, a simple concept that I think a lot of restaurants are doing is um, bringing stuff table side. Okay. So making the pe- peeling, you know, sort of peeking behind the curtain. Right. So when you order a dish, it doesn't just come made and served. Yeah. You actually have an opportunity to watch it be constructed and That's to hear true. a little bit. That's true. I didn't even think about that. That's right. There are many restaurants that have been doing versions of it. Guacamole's yeah. been served table side. Right. Some Italian restaurants do Caesar salad. So I feel like um, uh, we just borrowed equity for, from some things that were obvious winners. Right. And for them, they needed to create, um, they needed to transform quickly. So the idea that they would do um, uh, things that were doable, right? There's right. sort of long-term right. and then there's short-term. And I feel like these were some good short-term solves that are testing in markets now. Love that, very cool, that's exciting stuff. Um, and what was your own personal intention behind, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious because you're such a food lover, but what was your intention in starting um, Fogelson and Company, and what kind of higher purpose do you see yourself serving for the world with this? You know, you always are thinking about that. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know, smart with a heart, Yeah. I think is um, um, what all, uh, hopefully, good leaders are thinking about, you know, yeah. how to add value. We're a small company, so, yeah. I mean, I, I don't... I think there's companies that have scale that can, you know, move the, the good needle, if you will, mm-hmm. much faster. But I guess I would endeavor um, to wor- working with brands that can be thinking about how they can impact, right? So if we don't necessarily have scale right now, per yeah. se, but we work with brands that have scale. Okay. So if I'm working with a restaurant group or I'm working with a food uh, brand, um, where is the kind of soft underbelly? In, within the marketing, I, within the campaign, mm-hmm. is there a way to think about doing good in the idea that also drives business? Right. And I think that there is. Yeah. So it's not a specific answer, but I think it's always thinking about a cause marketing is not yeah. a option, you know? <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Cause marketing is not optional, yeah. right? Really good brands are thinking about how do we, you know, do, do business and impact the environment or consumers um, in a, it, how do we impact them in a positive way. Right. So choosing to work with brands that really get that. Um, also, I think, you know, taking on a pro-social client, mm-hmm. um, pro bono, is a really good way of, oh, of yeah. allowing our expertise to benefit an organization that is out to do good. Yeah. So we have some proposals in play right now oh, that great. are with um, childhood hunger organizations. Oh, I love that. And we would take those on, obviously, yeah. pro bono, because we feel we could add value and we believe in what they're doing. That's amazing. Really cool. Um, what are, well, we kind of delved into some of the food, food trends with your clients. What are some of your favorite or some of the biggest food trends going on right now that are supportive of the mindfulness and, mel- and well- wellness movement? I, mean, I think days. it's probably the biggest right now. Yeah. Um, transparency. 
Oh, right. Cool. So it's everything from food safety to food trackability uh, to uh, clean labeling. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, every brand is trying to think about in some way how they can uh, uh, be forthcoming about either where their products are from or how their products get to you. Uh, in a way that's truthful and authentic, right? right? Not every brand has that story, right. but I think a lot of most brands are trying to think about it. Um, I think what 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 the, the catalyst to it though mm -hmm. is this desire for mindfulness is not just something that I go do an hour a day in my yoga studio, right? right? Mindfulness and self care is something I think about from the moment I get up. And and if you're parents, you're thinking about it for your kids. Right. If you're a child, you might thinking about it for your parents. Like I think everybody's thinking about how can I care for myself. And right. again, I don't mean just meditation. Right. I mean what I eat how I treat the world. Mm -hmm. And given the choice, millennials will always opt to purchase products. The large cross-section of millennials yes. will always opt to purchase products that are doing something. They, they want to so support causes, mm -hmm. not companies, right? It's so true. they'll pay a little more if it's, if it's making an impact, yeah. So what you do matters, right. and, and it's not just about the bottom line. There is a you know, triple bottom line that does include the environment, right. and I think people are thinking about that. And um, it comes from, you know, probably a mistrust. Oh, you think? Um, I do. I think yeah. there's a mistrust uh, politically. I think people are frustrated. Right. I think this uh, the Me Too movement. I think, you know, um, women feel they need to advocate more than right. they, they have before to be heard and be taken seriously. Um, and I think that, that people are demanding um, transparency in order to make good decisions for themselves. Right. And I think that that is probably one of the single biggest trends in food. That's amazing. And I think it yeah. comes in this form of mindfulness. Yes. Uh, but it, but it, really com it really comes from a place where I need to care for myself. Right. And brands that get that and are willing to show themselves um, will win. Right. Who are some of um, your favorite brands that you see doing that right now? I mean, so many of these small artisanal brands. Yeah. I mean, I'm just talking to a Abbott's Butcher, okay. which is a plant-forward company mm -hmm. that we're, we're hopefully going to be working with. And um, the ingredients, you know, natural, um, plant-based, mm -hmm. uh, provocative, uh, delicious, yeah. uh, and honest. Cool. And everything about the way they present themselves, it's exactly... And, 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 I, and I love the idea that you don't have to be vegan. Right. To enjoy plant-forward meats, right? Right. That you just make, want to make a good call today. Totally. You just want to have something that is a little lighter today. Right. A little better for the environment today. Right. Just make a good call today. <laughs> and totally. I think that's manageable. And yeah. I think that's smart because that's the way that you can scale. Right. I think if it's a, you know, finger wagging, you have to be vegan. Right. Or else. You're going to lose half the people, yeah. And you'll, or you'll never get them. Right. And so I feel like brands that are thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I'm I think that... Um, Coke is doing really cool things with regards to water and providing clean water, drinkable clean water globally. Oh, are they? I didn't realize. Just, they have this one um, campaign that they yeah. don't promote enough that yeah. I think is really, really interesting. I it think is. that there are some packaged goods companies mm -hmm. um, that are trying to think about how they can impact uh, restaurants and not restaurants with consumers per se, but the back of the house. Mm -hmm. So how can some of these packaged goods companies that distribute products to restaurants right. think about the health and wellness of the back of the house, right. the kitchen staff, the, totally. the you know, is, does, it, do, does it matter? It, it does matter that, that the dishwasher feels good about being at 
the job. 100%. Yeah. And that there is a sense of care and concern for them. Right. So this idea that the kitchen is a place where health and wellness and mindfulness matter, and corporations really thinking about that. Right. So I think there's, I mean, numerous brands doing doing good, and, and like I said, it's not an option anymore. Right. I so mean, fascinating. I love that. Um, what about you personally? Do you think it's important to eat like organic or non-GMO or vegan or paleo or what? Like, what what are your thoughts on? Uh, the diet these, these days yeah well I'm fascinated by them and I'm always like some people I know are on Whole30 and I'm always just amazed that they have that <laughs> sort of discipline to do it yeah. I eat everything okay I will I will never turn something is someone has made something for me I will never not eat it okay like I don't um, I guess I know it's too many chefs to, 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 to right. push, push food right. away especially when someone has made it for you whether totally. it's in a restaurant or not um, food waste is probably my biggest issue. Mm -hmm. So I'm like the crazy that takes, you know, leftover food from the table home. I do that too, yeah. And then I will somehow make it for lunch the next day mm -hmm. or take that chicken and, you know, cut it up and put it in a wrap for my daughter. Like right. zero waste is I where. I love that you do that, yeah. I, I just, you know, I just, that, that it's just devastating. There's enough food. Right. It's not that there's not enough food. That's right. not why people are hungry. Right. It's a process issue. Totally. And I just feel like, um, uh, you know, access to good food. I don't, you know, it's funny. I, I grew up in L.A., as you know, and I, mm -hmm. uh, so I ate a lot of, you know, strawberries and tomatoes kind of right. year-round. Right. I came to New York, and, and tomatoes are here for a couple of months. Yeah. Strawberries are here for a couple of months, and they're not available. Unless you bring them in from Chile, you know? Right. And so I just have learned that I'm going to just enjoy my tomatoes for those few months a year. And I'm going to teach my kids that too. So you do the seasonal. I do the seasonal. Tastes yeah. better, mm -hmm. better price. Right. And and I don't need something to come 8,000 miles right. for me, you know? That just feels wrong. Right. When you think about the exhaust <clears throat> blowing out of that plane, ship, mm -hmm. or car in order to get that here, it's like, I'm good, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wait for it. Right. And I'd like to even grow it if right. I can, which is a huge trend. Um, agriculture. Yes, the urban farming and all that, yeah. So I guess I feel like my, I subscribe to, it sounds cliched, local, I do subscribe to it, and it's because I can wait, you That's know, great. I just want, I want what's good and I don't want you to waste it. Yeah. So I'd rather we eat what you have grown locally so right. we don't have to waste any of yeah. it. Um, I feel like, um, I'm probably more vegetarian, Yeah. just because I like vegetarian food. I right. like vegetables a lot, and right. I like um, fish and seafood a lot. And I probably don't eat pork and beef very much, but yeah. I will. Right. I, mean, I made cheeseburgers for my daughter and her friends the other night, okay. like, and made killer cheeseburgers. Like, yeah. if you're gonna do it, do it up. <laughs> yeah. I don't like. Uh, I don't like to buy meat that's not humanely raised. I mean, we've all seen enough of those videos. I'm big on that too. Yeah. Yeah, I just think you know you know what this is. I think this has been proven, so it's not necessarily my idea, but the idea that you would be eating meat. Yeah. That was frightened. Yes. And tortured does not sound delicious. No, it doesn't. Yeah. In, in the cells of that animal is fear and pain. And that has got to do something to yes. the way that it tastes. It's the muscles. All the blood is flowing through those body parts. And the way they treat animals is so foul that I can't support that. Yeah. It makes me upset. It, I, I can't support that. I agree with you more. And I, I don't eat meat. I don't think there's an issue with people eating meat if it's, you know, humanely raised and all that. But I think you're right. Like, this, if the cells of that animal have felt that pain and that fear, and then you're digesting it, and those cell bec cells become your cells, 
I mean, imagine what that what that does to your body. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's crazy. And yeah. I think it sounds a little precious to say it because I know that you know the world is eating right. meat from you know a variety of sources, and right. I likely will have partners that are that are you know. So I don't want to be a walking contradiction. Totally. But I I just really feel like we've got to figure that piece out. I just don't. I just I don't think it's good. You know, juju. Like, yeah. I just don't think it's good karma for, for, <laughs> yeah. for the universe. There's definitely got to be a better way. Yeah. There is, and it's pretty. I mean, yeah. it's slaughtering animals is just part of our existence. Yeah. Um, but but abusive slaughtering. Yeah, I don't there's know. a fine line for sure. So for that's sure. my take. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> um, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, but how do you think that businesses can benefit from becoming aware of these trends? Well, F and Co. Yeah. Um, which is what I call F and Co. F &Co. I can't keep saying Fogelson. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. I can't do it. So F and Co. Um, what we, we, so when we think about a brand, mm -hmm. then we think about what's happening in food culture, right? Yeah. And we think about the food connected consumer. Mm -hmm. We're thinking about trends. Right. We're thinking about what's happening in the marketplace yeah. can, that we can use as a blueprint to help X brand find relevance. So, for instance, we're talking to Keurig now. Keurig is going to be 100%, the K-Cups are going to be 100% recycling cool. by 2020. Amazing. Which is really soon. So Keurig might not have had a, you know, socially conscious kind of culinary mm -hmm. angle, but they will. Yeah. So this is an important trend. Socially right. conscious culinary is yeah. a really important, it's back to what we were just talking about. Like, it's not just mindfulness and transparency that restaurants, all food brands need to be thinking about how they can do something that's good for the bottom line. Right. So, Keurig might not have been able to fit into that scenario. That might not have been a trend that they could could it be invested in mm -hmm. yet, but they will be. So, it's really important to think about what's going on with that brand and what trends can they um, legitimately align with. Right. Because if they're aligning with the trends, then they're relevant. Right. And if they're doing it in a transparent and honest way, then they're going to win. So, yeah. so the the brands that we speak to have to be thinking about the trends, and right. that's where our expertise is. And hopefully, our expertise and their brands' goals can line up. Um, but it kind of begins and ends with the trends for us. Yeah. What do you think um, makes leaders and the biggest business leaders in this industry the most successful today? It's a good question. I mean. I don't want to keep using this word, but I do think transparency. Yeah. I mean, I was reading um, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, mm -hmm. the letter to his uh, board yeah. that he sort of writes annually. I think he's been writing it for like 19 years. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just such an honest transparency about right. what's working and what's not um, that I felt like if that's how he runs his business, I mean, he's obviously an incredible example yeah. of a leader. But I guess I feel like <coughs> it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, having enough information in order to be able to feel like you're adding value, um, ultimate value, but also not being bogged down with too much detail. And so I think I think that um, good leaders. I was in um, I was in Portugal last week, mm -hmm. and we were in this area called Belém, B E L E M, and it's just beautiful and there's a lot of historic. I don't necessarily I don't remember the, the name of the, their president. I don't remember his name, yeah. but the taxi driver told, the Uber driver told yeah. us that he, there's, his palace is, you know, was, was across the street, yeah. and that he's always walking around. This was a little waterfront area oh, with cute. little shops and little trinkets, yeah. and he's always walking around. Mm -hmm. He just walks around. And I said, wow, that's a really cool thing for the president to do. He said he's the first one that's ever done it. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I think that, like, that shows a really interesting yeah. accessibility. 
doesn't mean that he's not smarter than everybody else right. and shouldn't be the president. Right. But it means that he gets that people are, you know, sort of the engine that drives totally. his need and why he's where he is. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like leaders that are accessible. Yeah. I like leaders that are honest. Yeah. Brooke Johnson, who was the president of Food Network for many years. Yeah. I mean, I can if I had a nickel for every time she said, um, hire people that are smarter than you. Just right. And then and then let them let them rock. You know, that's a really hard thing to get on board with. To actually hire someone that mm-hmm. is maybe not overall has your experience, but in a certain facet is yeah. smarter than you. That's a really really big way of thinking about doing well. And oh, time and time again, that has worked for me. So hiring people that are smarter than you, being transparent, being yeah. accessible. Um, I read an article the other day about the woman, the CEO from Spanx. She said her dad, every day her dad would ask her, what did you fail at today? Huh. He didn't want to know if she got A's on papers, didn't want to know how many soccer goals she kicked. He wanted yeah. to know what she failed at today. He wanted her to obviously get comfortable with the idea that you fail, you figure out why, it's and you move on. Yeah. Just such an interesting orientation. So that is I thought, really cool. I thought her dad was kind of a cool leader. Yeah. So that's not the most succinct answer, but I think those are some of the qualities that make for good leaders. Yeah, I love that. It's great. Um... Do you think that you would have been as successful in any other industry? Like, do you think that it was food that drove you, or do you think it was business that drove you? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that came to mind, I have another passion, a deep passion in beauty and skincare. Oh, okay. So I'm kind you of. You have great skin. No, likewise. <laughs> um, I've been taking care of it for so many. I had yeah. a neighbor, an Austrian woman who was a neighbor of mine. And she turned me on to facials when I was 16. Oh, so I'd, I'd scrounge for coins in my seats of my car <laughs> to be able to afford these facials. So I've been getting facials for a long time. Oh. And I am a fan of a little filler and a little Botox. So, really? Oh, yeah. You would never be able to tell. I do a little You're bit. You're doing it right. A little bit. Yeah, but I've been doing it. I was like my 40. I got for my birthday, I 42nd birthday, I got myself. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm a fan of whatever makes you feel good. Right, I think right. people overdo it, but right. I think whatever makes you feel good. Right, right. Um, so I, I feel like the... Um, beauty and skincare yeah. area for me is I'm just so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I just I love um, uh, trying new things. I yeah. love I don't say so much makeup as I love skincare. Yeah, and I love you know scrubs and lotions and potions yeah. and you know scented things and different creams and you know just I, I just girly things. Yeah, I just love it, and yeah. so I think I would be successful in beauty and skincare oh. because I love it so. So it's an equal passion, probably, that's driving you for sure. Yeah, it's kind of a single passion. I feel yeah. like I share food. I feel like, no, you know, I yeah. don't know that my kids are that interested. But they see my, <laughs> my dresser and it's just covered in, you know, many products. That's awesome. Um, I love asking people this question. How do you measure success? Like, do you consider your business to be successful today? Did you consider yourself successful earlier in your career? Or how will you know when you're successful? What is your value of success? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I think, to be honest, I'm just too hard on not in there. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think that it's really interesting to hear you talk about it in the beginning, just yeah. like how how you what I had accomplished. Right. You 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 wanted to aspire to. Yeah. Because um, it's I I think it makes me think I guess you know yeah, yeah. Was a, I mean I knew it was a cool job. Right. And I knew that there were many envious people. Right. That would love to run marketing for Food Network. Yeah. But to me, it was never enough, and it was never um, not enough. You know, it was just. You know, even doing Food Network Star for 11 years, just people mm-hmm. think that is so the ultimate. Being on TV is yeah. so the ultimate. It was just like, it was my job. Right. That they were asked, it was 
part of my job. Yeah. So being successful obviously means, you know, um, attaining a certain amount of professional success and money. Mm. And, you know, money is good because we all like options. Right. And money affords us options Mm -hmm. and privacy, I would say, and privacy, (laughs) Um, which is nice when you live in Brooklyn. Privacy is nice. (laughs) Or Tribeca. Yeah. Um, So I think for me, I'm too hard on myself to think that I'll ever, I've ever arrived. Interesting. Um, I I, I feel pretty strongly about being a good mom. Yeah. I think um, being self-employed, I have more flexibility with my schedule. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I'm just much less self-important. I think when I was at food, I was I had meetings. I was just double booked all day long, oh, and wow. I was just like, what was I thinking? Like, yeah. take a beat and think. You know, I right. just feel like I was a bit self-important with regards to the hmm. frenetic schedule that I kept, and it translated into how I parented. And I think the last two years, talk about mindfulness. You know, yeah. I wake up like at 5.30 and I sit by myself for a half hour with a candle and a little news or music and I get centered and then I'm with my daughter for the next 45 minutes and that's like our time yeah because she's on her device you know any other but the mornings are our time and I have a relationship with my kids that I never imagined I would working full-time and that is because I'm I, I, I am able to to control my schedule now yeah and that to me is is you know one of the greatest things about being an entrepreneur Totally. That's successful in itself, I would say. That's right. So I think being a good mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we already talked about you eat everything, so you don't keep like a specific diet. Um, do you have like a workout regimen? What's your routine? What's your workout routine? What, do you have a specific ritual that you do to keep yourself mindfulness and focus? Yeah, I do actually. And, yeah. I, and I never thought I'd be this person. Yeah. But I am the person that uh, leaves their house three days a week, mm-hmm. travels 45 minutes to the gym yeah. with a big bag slung over their shoulder <laughs> um, to go boxing. Boxing? Yeah. Awesome. So I got some pounds. Who knew? Yeah. So one. I found yeah. this place and it was very openly, you know, yeah. right when I was transitioning out of Food Network and feeling yeah. a little wounded yeah. uh, and a little lost, yeah. and I hadn't started F and Co yet, and there's nothing um, that could have kept me square like this gym. Awesome. So I have a trainer and I box. I circuit train. Yeah. And I box. Boxing so you might not is pretty exhausting. What uh, what gym it is? It's called Mendez. Okay. Mendes. It's on twenty sixth, right above Madison cool. Square Park. All right. Awesome. And um, yeah, I just have this met this phenomenal guy. I met him. I met him in Paris, actually, just oh this fluky God. thing. But that's life. Yeah. Uh, when you're open and yeah. you, know, you can receive, it, 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 he came to me. And yeah. then, um, so I go there three days a week, and I'm, you know, this grungy shower and yeah. sweating and punching and just, <laughs> it, it saved me. For yeah. sure, it saved me. So awesome. wow. when you don't know what to do, then just do one thing. Just, yeah. just, just. I, you could be so overwhelmed by what's next. What am I gonna do when I leave Food Network? Where am I gonna go? Right. Even F and Coke can overwhelm me. Is it gonna work? Right. You know, I'm in. I'm now. I'm, I have investors. Like I'm into. Right. It's, work. it's like just do do what pumps you. And right. what pumps me is starting my day working out there. That's great. And from there, I can do anything. Awesome. Boxing, Susie Focus. I know, boxer. right? There's Here a boxing go. place right on the right right, literally right across the street from us. Yeah, we have to check it out. Actually, we have to do it. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you should at least try it. I definitely want to. I never thought. Really? I don't like hitting. I don't even watch boxing. I feel like I would like it too much. Almost <laughs> like a little. It's like Some a little people scary. get a little yeah. charge off of like yeah. an aggressive, like it helps alleviate aggression. Yeah, I feel like I would be really into it. Actually, <laughs> it's very technical though. Really, I never knew that boxing was so technical. Huh. And so, like, there's like 50 things you're trying to remember, oh. and you know. 
the old core gets engaged yeah. and you're just sweating. It in looks like an amazing two workout. minutes you're sweating. Yeah. So I feel like it's got a lot of um, it's really thought it's a thoughtful sport and I haven't yeah. I, I hadn't thought that about it. Wow. To be Very honest. cool. Yeah. Um, where do you see the state of the world? wellness, food industry, whatnot, um, in the next five years, and how do you see yourself contributing to it? Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah. I mean, raising good little citizens, I feel like, is my most important job, yeah. right? So, you know, kids that, you know, don't take up the whole curb when they walk down the street, right? <laughs> right. They move, you know, we sing, we call it single file. We single file because pe there's people coming. Right. Just thinking about others mm -hmm. and being aware of um, your physical place in mm -hmm. the world uh, and being kind, you know? Yeah. I think... Um, I think kind is kind and hardworking. Bobby Flay uh, said that's what he taught his daughter. Two Aww, things, kind and hardworking. He's taught her many things. Yeah. Those are the most important things he raised his kid with, kindness and hardworking. And I 100% agree. I love that. Um, so I, I feel like the state of the world is a big one, you know? Mm. I mean, it's a little um, scary now, Yeah. especially if you watch Handmaid's Tale on mm -hmm. Hulu. That's a little frightening. Oh, um, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's out. a little frightening. Uh -huh. but, but because it's just, it's just it, it, it is sort of a, what's happening now with regards to people's rights and mm. sort of, you know, the far right nationalism yeah. just on, on steroids. So, uh -huh. I mean, it's, it's obviously Margaret Atwood's book. Yeah. But the, now Hulu, I think they've done an amazing job with it. But, but that's a little scary, you know, dystopian yeah. view of, of society. Um, but I think there is some scary stuff. Yeah, and I think the world is a scary place. Right. Um, but things that make me hopeful are um, I'm really into one trend, which mm. is um, ag tech, okay. right? So agricultural technology. Oh, nice. Right. So you've got technology affecting everything from um, plant plant based burgers, right? So impossible mm -hmm. burgers are a result of technology, right? Cool. So it's food tech. Yes. But ag tech to me is going to be a great equalizer. Okay. And the examples of that are this vertical farming. Right, oh, so you're able to take yeah. 100 acres and take it, create 100 acres that say create uh, leafy greens. Right. You're able to take a footprint of one acre, yeah. grow up and produce the same amount. So amazing. But you're also able to do it in the really desolate areas. Okay. So in cities where there is our food deserts, right? right? So the closest thing you can get for lunch is a bag of Cheetos mm -hmm. and a and a orange crush. Right. Now there will be access to vegetables. So this is a great equalizer, yes. right? So the idea that we help the environment by taking less carbon footprint and we also help create access. Yes. I mean, this to me is game changing. Yes, it is. And I also feel like people are going to start to become farmers, right? Because the Inter new appliance New appliance is not going yeah. to be a coffee maker. It's actually going to be a little little farming unit oh, in your kitchen. Cool. IKEA just made a big investment um, in this technology. Wow. So the idea that you know, I just I I always feel like um, when you're hungry, a a tomato is a luxury, right? Right. And it's just because it's just so far away yeah. from what's what what reality is for a lot of impoverished people. Yeah. But this becomes a great equalizer. There's a company right. called Plenty that Jeff Bezos just invested in and they are vertical farms. There's a big one, oh, Aero wow. Farms in New Jersey. A lot of people, not, not a lot of, there are a few great companies that are doing it. Love and it. that makes me hopeful that, that, you know, access to good food. Yeah. That is not a luxury. Right. And doing it so that it's better for the environment. Right. I mean, hell yeah. Yes. I'm all for that one too. Um, Last question for you. Um, what's a valuable piece of advice you'd like to give other entrepreneurs who are creating businesses with conscious intentions? I mean, I think, I don't know, I don't know, I think the best piece of advice that I got that I, if I 
could you know pass on um, is just take you know um, don't pay attention to the noise okay. you know like just trust yourself and your mission um, there are so many reasons why you could be down and things you don't think that things will work and maybe your mission isn't true right uh, or timely or relevant uh, but if you believe in it just take away the noise and really yeah. focus on if you know that it's right and you believe in it then just go for it yeah and I think that's that's the hardest part I think is just waking up every day and knowing that um, success is going to look a lot different for me than what it did at Food Network right or what made me successful there and that this is a new thing and that I have to just trust and have faith that what we're doing is right yeah. and there is a need for this um, and I believe that and I really do believe that as a marketer I believe yeah. that food marketing is real um, and that you get excited about one thing one day and it disappears and something new pops up yeah and you know I don't I sent this proposal out and I didn't get a response but then you reached out to me like yeah just 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 trust in what you're doing right. and 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 don't get distracted by the noise because yeah. it's very noisy <laughs> that is such good advice thank you <laughs> Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I no, I just, you? I just think, um, I think what you're doing is really interesting. So Thank I just you. feel like maybe you just, you know, spend 30 seconds telling me about, you know, your, your, your most recent favorite client. Me? Yeah. Um, for Conscious Enterprises? Yeah. I would say, who's my most recent favorite? I don't want to say favorite. That's probably the first I know. One. I've had so, well, I've, the whole thing is that I've been, I'm not trying to, um, select any specific industry. So, you know, food industry here. Um, I interviewed the CEO of Core um, for the real estate industry. He That's was right. great. Um, I had Saad Simone, who's like a meditation teacher, come over here a few weeks ago. Um, who else? I mean, I had a good friend, Karan Rai, who's in the finance, private uh -huh. equity. I see he just started an amazing private equity. Um, and so, group. what are you saying is the common? I think it's fascinating that you talk to different industries. Yeah, so the common denominator that we're seeing here in terms of, you know, conscious businesses is that they're all valuing, you know, a higher purpose beyond just bottom line. It's like, yes, you want to be a profitable company, you want profits, you want, you know, you want the bottom line obviously to be a big number everyone does but you're not going to find fulfillment you're not going to find happiness you're not going to find peace within yourself when you get to that number if you're not serving the community around you you know making a social impact that empowers people um, looking within and self you know working on self-development these are the, like the kind of trends that you're seeing mm -hmm. um, and I think it's you know it's not like it's not like something new, you know, it's just, I'm trying to show that this is the new way of business. It's, it's the only way that's going to be successful in the future, I think. Um, and I think we're on the wave and it's happening. Like you said, with all these big, um, fortune 500 conglomerates eating up these smaller companies, they're starting to adopt, I think some of the, that culture, you know, that's a good point. um, because they probably were the ones that lacked it before. Um, yes. And now these new kind of entrepreneurial sprouts are coming up and they're becoming successful because they are empowering other people and because they are conscious of the world around them and they're conscious of themselves, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's kind of been the common thread here. And yeah, I'm so glad, 
I knew that you would be like in line with this because like I said before like I even just in the corporate setting at Food Network so many years ago I remember you know you told everyone on your staff to take take an hour you know to come in late or leave early um, you know and I remember after you were pregnant you had some sort of I mean I was too young to really care but like I remember you would let you know the, uh, the moms. parents the moms like take work from home, work from home and yep. things like that and this was before this became a thing like now it's a little more prevalent you're seeing the bigger corporations do it um, but that was the first time I had ever seen it mm -hmm. done in a corporate setting so mm -hmm. that really stood out to me a lot so yeah I mean I because I think that self-care you know at the right. end of the day you yeah know, and I just if you're just taking a moment to notice uh, people right. and what they need and know how good it feels to work out or right. have an extra you know day with your new baby to exactly. hang out in your pajamas I mean and I think at the at the at the heart of that is trust, right? You know, I think that you expect people to behave, yeah, and use a high level of common sense, totally, and not take advantage, yeah. And I think you know I've had the the privilege of working with many many people that that yeah. are trustworthy, and um, when you have good experiences like that, then you spread right. it out. I, I I had great great leaders. I had yeah. The moment I came to New York, I had incredible bosses. Really? Yeah. yeah. And they just happen to be women. Yeah. Uh, but I've had great male bosses too. Right. And so that's an amazing thing. I mean, I totally. think I'm, I was good for the job and I was I was committed and I was um, hardworking. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I, I deserved a good boss because uh, I was giving, you know, a lot of myself, but I got really lucky. Yeah. So. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us. I really